Hey, I'm Tash. Um, we're going to read from the Bible now. Um, if you would like a physical Bible, there are some Bibles around. Somebody will pass you one. Just stick your hand up. Um, our first passage is from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. If you do have a red Bible, it's on page 1203. So Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The second passage is from John chapter 15, which is on page 1,676 of the Red Bibles. So John 15, verse 1 to 17. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks very much, Tash, for reading for us. Um, I don't have a fully prepared talk for you this morning, given the circumstances of this week. But um, some thoughts and God's word open before us. So uh, why don't I pray that this would be a useful time. Father, we do thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have to open up your word, to be able to read it in our own language. And we praise you for the presence of your Spirit with us, who inspired these words to be written now here today to be our teacher and guide. Please open our hearts to receive your word. Please encourage us, challenge, correct us. Uh, fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus and strengthen us to walk uh, from this place uh, in love for him and obedience to his commands. In his name we pray. Amen. If you were around in October, you'll know that we spent a couple of weeks looking at that passage in John 15 that Tash read. And if you were here right at the beginning of January, uh, you would have heard one of those talks again. Um, read by Henry. I was sick, was I? I think I was sick. And um, very last minute, Henry got up and re-preached my, um, my sermon from October, which was, I think, fine and good because um, this year we really want to have a focus on growth, on spiritual growth, and that's why we spent that time in October. I think it was good to revisit it in January, and we're doing that again today um, with some new ideas as well, maybe. Um, back in October, a number of you also put together a PDP, a personal discipleship plan, uh, looking at your life as a whole and uh, ways in which you want to um, live out the vision that we've set to, to be a follower of Jesus who is resting in God's grace and striving in the Spirit's power to love God and others. And I don't know kind of how often you visited or revisited your personal discipleship plan, if like me, it's kind of gone a bit shelved and hasn't been looked at for some months, don't worry. Uh, you can begin again. There's still uh, a large portion of the year to go. And, um, and so let me encourage you this week to, to pick that up again, to revisit it. Hopefully some of what we look at today will be helpful in thinking about those growth goals that you've set and um, how to go about that work of growth and change. So, John 15, and then we're going to look at Jeremiah 17. And on your sheets, you don't have any sermon points. There's a diagram. Anyone kind of, I was going to say, fancy themselves as an artist? You don't have to. Anyone kind of, yes, Sam, well done. Excellent. I didn't even have to drop the bar. Um, could you come and draw up that diagram on the whiteboard here? We don't need all the words, just the, uh, the sun, the thornbush, the fruit tree, and the cross. Do you want 
to have something to copy. Good. All right, so you can watch that going up as we look at John 15. Uh, this passage is all about fruitfulness. And as we thought in our kids' slot, what is the fruit that Jesus has in mind here? Is it Christ-like character, you know, the fruit of the Spirit? Or is it our obedience to his commands? Or is it evangelistic fruits? Well, yes, I think, all of the above. Uh, anything that brings glory to God, I think, is included in what Jesus talks about here as bearing fruit. And the passage tells us that um, we can expect to bear fruit if we are united to Jesus. And it also tells us something of how we can bear fruit in our lives. So firstly, and we thought about this in October, we can expect to bear fruit because we're united to Jesus. He is the source of all life. And we are intimately connected to him. We're like a branch joined in to the vine. His life flows into us. As Jesus says in verse 5, apart from him, we can do nothing. We're going to be like branches that wither and die. But if we remain in him and he remains in us, then we should have every expectation of bearing fruits in our lives. Maybe you doubt that. Maybe it feels like life is pretty dry spiritually at the moment. Maybe you feel like you're not growing, not really making progress, not being fruitful. Well, remember, there are winter seasons. There, there are seasons of more or less fruitfulness that we go through. And there are also times when God prunes us. And he does that, and it's painful at the time, but he does it to make us even more fruitful. But I assume in times of actual pruning, you're not bearing much fruit. You're kind of experiencing being cut back. But whatever the cause, if you are feeling that life is a bit dry and fruitless, that our response needs to be the same, to cling to Jesus, to press into your relationship with him, to remain, to abide in him, to remain in his love, to let his words remain in you to walk in obedience to his commands. And um, so that's why we can expect to bear fruit, because we're united to Jesus. Uh, we need to have that expectation. And it also tells us how we can bear fruit, by remaining in Jesus, remaining in his love, letting his words remain in us, uh, submitting to the Father's pruning. But today I want to introduce another diagram to you. Wow, that's great. So much better than I would have done. Thank you, Sam. And for those that weren't here last week, um, this wonderful display that has um, been trimmed down a bit was all thanks to Sam as well. Apart from the text, which was written by our very own Hebrew scholar, Nick. So, great. Uh, okay, so we're going to think about this diagram that you've got on your, your handouts. Um, it's called the Three Trees Diagram, and it's based, it's based on that passage in Jeremiah 17. So do turn back to that passage. Jeremiah 17, 
As we heard about in that video, this passage speaks of two plants, two bushes. So verse 6 talks about that, that person being like a bush in the wastelands that doesn't see prosperity, that dwells in parched places in the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But then uh, verse 7 and 8 talks about the person who trusts in the Lord. Uh, they, they're like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Never fails to bear fruit. So there's a, there's a thorn bush and there's a lush, green, fruitful tree. And, and what is the key difference between these two people represented by these two plants. What is the key difference? That's not rhetorical. You can tell me the answer. Their, their trust, yeah, the, the object of their trust. So verse 5, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord's. In contrast, verse 7, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. So the, the difference between these two plants is not so much the environment as in the diagram. There's, there's heat in both cases. The, the sun is beating down. But the difference is what's going on in those people's hearts who they're trusting in, what they're trusting in. And that's what verse 9 talks about, isn't it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And that ties in with what Jesus said in that verse we looked at in the kids' slot in Luke 6, that it's out of the heart that we speak, that the fruit of our lives, the things we say and do, they, they come from what's going on in our hearts. And so this diagram needs a little addition Okay, uh, the, the roots of both trees are going down into, into the heart. So let me try and introduce the diagram to you. Um, the sun at the top represents heat, re represents the circumstances uh, of our lives. Whatever is going on, that's the, that's the heat. And on the right, we've got a thorn bush, representing uh, the bad fruit that comes out of us. So um, I'll give you an example. It's always helpful having something concrete. Um, if you're a parent, you might relate to this. Your kids are refusing to do what you're asking them to do. Okay? That's the heat. Your kids are being disobedient, defiant, refusing to do what you ask. And maybe your response is bad fruit. You're like a thornbush. And so uh, you react to that with impatience, with anger. Maybe you uh, shout at them, which uh, has its own results in them um, you know, getting upset and scared. And yeah, it's all bad fruit. Now, on the left-hand side represents... Um, 
how you, a kind of a godly response, a godly reaction, responding with patience, responding with kind, gentle words, uh, responding in love. And the difference between those two reactions has nothing to do really with the heat. I mean, the heat is the circumstance, but the heat is the same in both cases. What makes the difference is what's going on in the roots, what's going on in the heart, who you're trusting in. So Tim Chester says in his book, You Can Change, that our hearts are always doing two things. They're always believing things and they're always loving and treasuring and wanting and worshipping things. So our hearts are always doing those two things, believing stuff and loving stuff. And what our hearts are doing determines the fruits that will be produced in any circumstance. Because it's what's in the heart that is revealed in life. So what's going on in here will be revealed uh, in the things that I'm saying and doing. And although the diagram has two trees and, and two hearts, really it's, it's the same one person and it's just representing the fact that de depending on what's going on in my heart, what I'm believing, what I'm worshipping, that will determine what comes out in my life. The heart has inescapable influence. The situation only reveals what's already inside of me. So um, think of the illustration. If you have a... Um, a glass of milk on a table and it's full to the brim and then the table gets jostled. What's going to come out of the glass? Not Coke, right? Milk, because that's what's in there. And, and the jostling is just bringing out what's already in there. Or um, think of uh, one of those yogurt pouches filled with yogurt and you know, when you squeeze the pouch, what's going to come out? Not honey, yogurts. Uh, in the same way, the circumstances of life are, are the things that, that jostle our lives, that squeeze our hearts and reveal what's really there. So, you know, before you become a parent, you might think you're a really patient person, and then new heat comes along of an intensity you've never experienced. And what comes out of you is impatience and anger. And you think, whoa, where did that come from? You know, and you might say, you know, I, I don't know what came over me. And I think Glenn Scrivener is helpful when he says, it's not about what came over me, it's what came out of me. So... Let's do a little worked example, and you are gonna, you are gonna counsel me because this is something of what we want to be doing in our DNA groups, as well as um, digging into the Bible and thinking about what God says to us. We we want to be kind of going beyond that to think um, about our lives, uh, the ways that we're living, the the bad fruit that we're um, exhibiting, because. What's the, um, what's the way that we sometimes try and address this? If I'm, if I'm responding impatiently, okay, we're, we're, I'm the case study, okay? Um, this is all hypothetical, of course, but um, my kids, amazing, yeah, never happens, but are refusing to do what I ask of them. And 
I'm responding with impatience and I'm grumpy and um, what is one way that I could try and respond? Even one way that you could try and counsel me. You could try and get me from here to here, kind of short circuit. What are, the, what are some of the things that you could, I could do or you could advise me to, to change like that from a thorn bush to a fruit tree? Take a deep breath. Now, some of these things are, of course, helpful. Uh, so yeah, take a deep breath and suddenly I'm going to become patient. Can be helpful, probably 10 deep breaths, but yes. Um, what, I, what else? What are the kind of instant fix things? Yeah, just don't yell. Be calm. Yeah. Have a timeout. Again, that can be helpful, kind of. Um, but it's fairly superficial. Even something like, ooh, this is. Even something like, uh, pray about it. Uh, pray that you'll be more patient. Don't hear me wrong. That is a very good thing to do. But it can, you, you can think, well, I'm just going to pray and God's magically going to change me from someone who's impatient to patient. All those things are a bit like you're trying to change a thorn bush into a fruit tree by stapling fruit on the branches of the thorn bush. You, know, you might see some fruit on there, but it's still a thorn bush. That fruit's not actually kind of growing there. And so if there's going to be real change... It's got to be heart-level change. It's got to be at the level of what I'm believing and what I'm worshipping. And so I need to go through the, the more difficult process of asking, why am I being impatient? And the answer is not because my kids are disobeying me. Uh, the answer is what's going on in my heart. What am I believing? What am I desiring, wanting, loving, worshipping? And so what might that be? What could be going on in my heart that's producing the bad fruits of impatience? Grumpiness. What could I be believing? Because if, if, if I'm going to change, then I need to change from believing lies to believe the truth of who God is and what he's done. I need to change from worshipping idols to worshipping the true God. De desiring anything other than God more than him to desiring him, wanting him, treasuring him. And, and that's why there's a third tree that's in the middle. The, the cross represents the gospel, all of who God is and, and what he's done for us in Jesus. So my repentance, my change, has got to be at heart level from believing lies and worshipping idols to believing the truth and worshipping the true God. So... This is difficult, right? What could be going on in my heart to lead to impatience? What could I be believing? For, for you. Confession time. Yes. Yeah.
Thanks, Jade. So for those that maybe didn't hear, Jade's saying, what's going on in her heart is not believing that God is in control and maybe wanting to be in control herself. Um, that that's, and then when things are out of control, that's what leads to an angry response. Case. Thank you. Yeah, so a sense of entitlement, and particularly an entitlement to comfort, to things being smooth and having compliant children, uh, life being easy, but comfort. And when, when things are not comfortable, uh, you can respond in negative ways. Yeah. What else could it be? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so Holly said it, um, a belief that it's all about me, and that could be, and that this may not be what you're getting at, but it could be that, that the way my children behave and how they respond to me is a reflection on my um, worth as a parent or how good I am at being a dad or a mum. And so, yeah, when things are not plain sailing, um, that impacts on that kind of self-image Yeah, this is a big one for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Sam said, it could be a desire to be respected. Um, What else did you say? Desire to be respected and... Approved, yep. Uh, and your kids are disobeying you. You're not getting that respect. Um, and yeah, again, that's if if that's what you want supremely, you want respect, you want approval, um, and you're not getting it. Then yeah, you can respond negatively. Um, doing this kind of exercise always takes time, and so we're going to park it very soon. But um, let me introduce to you if you haven't come across it before. Uh, a really helpful tool called the four G's. Uh, <laughs> now, I just remembered, we have four G's in our kind of structure of the church, don't we? This is something different. So we have four G's. Uh, we gather, grow, give, and go. This is something different. Four great truths about God, and they all begin with G. God is good, God is great, God is gracious, and God is glorious. And each of them has a, a, a tagline attached, which I'm going to try and remember off the top of my head, or you can shout them out. God is good, and so I don't need to look elsewhere for satisfaction. God is the ultimately satisfying one. Uh, God is great, so I don't need to be in control. God is the one who's in control. I don't need to be. God is gracious. Uh, So I don't need to look elsewhere for approval. God is gracious, and in his grace, he has accepted me, approved me in Christ. I'm righteous in him. I have the the approval of the one person whose opinion really matters. 
I'm going at length because this is a big one for me. Um, God is gracious, so I don't need the respect or approval from other people. And fourthly, uh, God is glorious. And if I mix them up, okay. Uh, God is gracious and God is glorious are kind of uh, close. Okay, God is glorious, so I don't need uh, approval. He's the glorious one, the most weighty one. His approval is what counts. God is gracious, so I don't need to prove myself. Yeah. So I don't need to achieve. I don't need to um, perform. So four truths. Worth, worth knowing. And, and worth thinking. I mean, I think in, in most situations, one of those is probably going to be pretty close to the mark in terms of what you're not believing. And therefore, what you need to turn to in your heart and embrace as the truth revealed in the cross. We'll come back to this, uh, maybe on church camp, maybe next week, maybe another time. But hopefully that's helpful. Um, bit of a different sort of teaching session this morning. But let me lead us. Let me lead us in a prayer. Father, thank you that your word not only gives us instructions on how you want to live, but uh, teaches us the mechanics of, of change. And we thank you that in the gospel you've given us all the resources that we need, that in the Lord Jesus we have access to the source of life and, and power. And thank you that you have united us to him. We pray that we would be those who are remaining in Jesus. We'd be those who are repenting daily, turning from lies to embrace the truth of the gospel, turning from idols to worship you, the true gods. We pray that you would continue to do your, your work in us by your Spirit to grow us more and more in the likeness of your Son. We know that that's what you've promised. And so we... Pray that you would do it for your glory's sake. Amen.